Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Today's guest is with Sharon Walters, a London-based artist who creates hand-assembled collages celebrating black women. The series, entitled Seeing Ourselves, explores underrepresentation in many areas in the arts, magazines and mainstream Western media. I first discovered Sharon's work on Instagram. I realised how lovely it is to follow art and paintings and creativity on Instagram and not just get sucked into buying more clothes that I don't need. And she is someone who has used the platform to celebrate and share her art as well as grow her business. And I think she's a wonderful example of someone using Instagram in a really positive way. She was also recently featured in The Telegraph in their 10 years of Instagram Instagram piece as someone who has used it in an innovative way and in this episode we talk about how to turn a passion project into a sustainable business when you know it's right to quit a job and how creating art and doing things with your hands can be a brilliant form of self-care and therapy during hard times you can find her and her beautiful work at london underscore artist one and you can follow all of her lovely artwork on there If you like this episode, please do go and leave me a little rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Really helps spread the word about the show and enables me to keep making it. Hope you enjoy this one and see you soon. For all of the reasons Instagram is a time-sucking, terrible place. On the other side of the spectrum is just discovering the most amazing artists. And I'm a huge fan of your art and it makes me feel happy. And so thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Emma. I am absolutely delighted to be here. My mind's a little bit blown, I have to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And you are dialing in from a swanky hotel room. I am just in my uh, spare room, but we're making it happen in this weird time. So I'm very grateful for your time. Um, so I wondered if I could ask you a bit about how it all began, because I suppose I've come to your work from, you know, you being really prolific. You've you've created, I mean, hundreds yeah, of, of hundreds. artworks at the moment. So how how did it start? Like, when did you make the first collage? How did it all come about? So I've always wanted to be an artist ever since I was a child. It's been my childhood dream to um, just create. My first collage, gosh, probably 15 to 20 years ago. Um, But the first collage in this particular series was only two and a half years ago. So I haven't been making this series very long, but I absolutely love making work. To be able to do this and to do what I love and for people to see my work and connect with it is more than I could ever have dreamt of, really. It is so exciting for you right now. <laughs> I just feel like it's really resonating. And and I honestly stop and stare when a piece of your art comes onto my feed. I just need to look at it for quite a while. And I think that's why we're, we're missing galleries at the moment. We're missing mm. that real life experience. But just being able to consume your pieces um, is very exciting. I know lots of people are buying them. And they're just getting, they're getting around. They are getting around. (laughs) You've created a bit of a movement with it as well. I wondered um, if you could talk a little bit about your background at Central St. Martins and also just kind of growing up, because I guess you must have known quite early on then that you wanted to be an artist. Yeah, I, 
you know, I've always wanted to be an artist. So I I started by drawing and I used to use what you might not know this, but fashion wheel. I don't know if you know that came where you can design um, clothing. <laughs> and you turn this wheel and you oh, change yes. the hairs and then you change the. And so I used to play that a, a lot as a child. And um, I also wrote poetry. That was my first love. And that was my way of communicating. I wasn't able to articulate and I still use art now to communicate feelings I can't articulate or simply don't want to articulate I guess but yeah I I went to Central St Martins so I wanted to go to art school when I was when I just left school but my family couldn't afford for me to go so I did a social science degree first and I got a grant for that so that was my main reason but I also got to explore lots of different topics and incidentally my dissertation piece was actually about what I called women's magazines and cults of femininities because I felt as though there were so many contradictory um, messages being told through magazines and I think it's quite interesting that almost like around about 25 years later I'm now making this series which is called Seeing Ourselves which actually initially started to look at underrepresentation of women in, web, in magazines, but also underrepresentation of black women specifically in lots and lots of different arenas, including arts and heritage. So I, I graduated from St. Martin's as a mature student in 2011. Yeah, it was a really interesting experience. I did that, I was there for seven years <laughs> because I studied part-time and I had my son during that time. And yeah, I, it was the one art college I'd always wanted to go to. So I only applied to one art school and luckily got into that one art school. It must have been a completely different experience going somewhere when you are I mean the, the term mature student is always a bit of a weird one <laughs> to me I'm like it's a bit of a strange problematic terminology term. mature yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm still I don't think I'm mature still but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I it's am. like age doesn't mean mature no. but you've just like chosen to be there and you're there for such a particular purpose I can imagine you showing up in a different way and kind of taking it all in yeah I took I definitely took it all in and it was really weird for me because at the time I was working as a educational consultant while I was studying so as an education consultant what I was doing was going into schools and colleges across the UK and I was training teachers on how to deliver post-16 citizenship education which is political literacy and it's about working with young people so that they understand how politics works to help them to have a voice, to understand how structures work and how they can articulate their views and um, instigate change. So I was doing that work during the day and it's, um, you know, it's a pretty high power job. <laughs> and then I was going into art college. And so I had this real mix of being taught, taught at art college or, you know, not so taught, you know, working with people at art college and then going off into this other life where, you know, I was treated with lots and lots of respect for what I was doing. So it was a really um, strange parallel world that I was kind of living in during that time. But it was a really interesting time. I think we we were chatting about the multi-hyphen yeah. life and how you were this multi-hyphenate who had chosen to do something on the side 
on top of this really kind of successful career path that you'd carved out. And I think we chatted on like the day or the week or really near to it where you were like, I've I've made the jump. Yeah, what happened was I read The Multi-Hyphenate, um, your brilliant book, and I, and I won it as a prize via Instagram. And I got this beautiful note from the person who, um, who I won it from just saying, you know, I hope you succeed in all the things you dream of, blah, blah. And then I, I found you on Instagram and then I messaged you because I think within two weeks of reading it, I decided to reduce my hours at work. So I was working for a museum at the time doing community engagement projects. So working with marginalized voices again. And I, um, I just said to work, look, I really want to reduce my days all down to three. And so it's been a gradual transition, I think. I think that was probably about a year, two years ago. Um, and just recently, so exactly a week ago today, I left my museum job, um, which I've been working at for four no and a half way. years. Oh, that's if it, I love stories like this because it really shows that it doesn't have to be this quit your job rash decision no. kind of cut cut all the strings it's like it can be a transition and you can make it work for your day-to-day exactly. and end up focusing more on the stuff you want to do yeah and I haven't left one job in order to do another one I've left one job in order to do all these amazing things that I've always wanted to do and I have been doing anyway but I just want to give myself more fully to what I love um, and it's not that I didn't love my old job but I just need more time to really give this a go so it does feel like a leap but it feels like a leap where I've actually got some stuff going if that makes sense you know I'm not going in completely cold <laughs> yes definitely you already the wheels were already in motion yeah. and I really love what you talk about in terms of art being therapy or Mm. art as therapy. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but how you're saying a lot in your pieces that maybe you're, you know, that you maybe couldn't articulate in the same way if it wasn't through art. I mean, how has your art changed or not changed this year with huge world changing things going on like COVID, but also Black Lives Matter, Mm. everything in the news, how much has it changed? I think it's changed a lot because the work, this series has has for the last few years been giving me space to breathe and it allows me to have headspace. And like I said earlier, it gives me a voice where sometimes words aren't able to, I guess. And with the intensity of the last few months, I've needed space, um, not just physical space, all in the house together. yeah, it was also about my mental space. I felt like there was so much information, as we all do. We feel like there's so much information coming in. And sometimes it's really difficult to get that space to process what's going on. So, for example, last night I, I watched something on TV and then it, was, it wasn't that great. It was, it was quite triggering and, really, you know, when something's really intense. And, um, and it was about half ten and I just thought, I can't even go to bed like this because I've got too much going on. So I picked up one of the um, pieces I've been working on and I started cutting. And that process of being able to cut and, um, and just slow down is so therapeutic. It's really difficult to put it into words. It, I, I feel as though by the end of every piece I'm able to exhale. That's what I explained to a friend earlier today, that, um, that for me, I can't imagine my life without creating 
which is really interesting because a few years ago I wasn't creating at all because I had a bit of a break and I had a lot going on. Yeah, so to be in this whole flow of just creating and owning exactly who I want to be now and going despite everything going on in the world feels a little bit surreal. But also I think it's interesting that, um, you know, I've been making this work years and and now people are talking about representation and the underrepresentation of black people in particular and um and this is something that I've felt very strongly and passionately about as I said since I did my first degree 25 odd years ago. Um, <laughs> so I've been thinking and working with people for a really really long time in a number of different environments including um pupil referral units. I've worked um at young offender prisons, I've worked with the elderly, um, with various groups of people whose voices so often aren't heard. The work feels very poignant right now, um, but for me it always has been. And um, I'm really pleased that people are engaging with it at this time, and I hope they can really continue to do so, but also to take action so that they can instigate change themselves. And what an amazing way to, I know the word self-care is really overdone now, <laughs> but the the fact that we we actually have these tools to calm ourselves down yeah. that we don't think about very often. Exactly. And in the process, you're creating probably something that someone else will consume at the end of the day, but that's kind of the end result, not what you're getting from it. Yeah. And I, I really love the process. You know, it's a bonus when the work comes out really well. <laughs> um, yeah. But the actual process of making it, I feel as though it is um, it is a real form of self-care. And I was talking to someone yesterday, I can't remember who it was, but I was talking to them yesterday and I was saying that through by me making this work, I'm actually <laughs> thinking about the NHS. You know, everyone was out there clapping, but I'm looking after my mental health. I'm hoping that I won't need to go and speak to someone about, you know, things being, you know, just I'm just trying to do this for me. And the fact that people say, the collector from the US who bought something at the beginning of lockdown, he bought a piece and he said, even the process of waiting for the work to arrive, he said, it's given me something to look forward to. Mm. And that just, honestly, it still gives me kind of an amazing yes. feeling now. And then when he received the piece, he fell in love with it. And I said, I said something along the lines of, oh, you know, I, I, it's really interesting you chose that piece, you know, of all the three. And he said, what, there are three? And I said, oh, yeah, it's part of a triptych. I haven't put them on the website yet, you know, busy cutting up paper. <laughs> and um, and he said, well, send me the other two. And I was oh, like, wow. okay, you want all three then? Okay, cool. <laughs> so he's the only person in the world to have that entire triptych. So, yeah, it's quite difficult to put into words just how magical this series feels and how much it's given me, but also it sounds as from what I hear, it's um, bringing a lot of love to and joy to other people too. Yes, I've actually already got something on your website bookmarked in my mind. Really, which but one? I'm waiting until I move house. Oh, I'm gonna um, I forget the name now. It's something regal. Yeah, 
Regal. I'm obsessed. Like I, I've looked at it like multiple times, really? but I, um, I'm actually looking to move house soon. So I don't know. Sometimes you need to know exactly where you're going to put yeah. it as well. I feel to give it the maximum love. Yeah. Do you know that piece? Every time I think of that piece, it reminds me of when. So I took the picture of the lady who's featured in that piece at Black Girl Fest last year. And she looked absolutely amazing. And I got the courage to kind of just say, excuse me, can I take your picture? So that piece is inspired by someone I met randomly at um, Black Girl Fest. It oh. doesn't happen often, but um, when it does, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to ask her. Because <laughs> obviously my work features portraits of black women. Yeah, I'm so glad that you did then. Oh, thank you. And I love the um, Emma Dabiri piece as well. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of hers. Oh, thank you. Um, but I just wanted to mention actually really quickly something you said just reminded me of. I listened to a talk by Bolu Babalola mm-hmm. at um, Cheltenham last week, and she was talking about her book, Love in Colour, which is about love, yeah. black relationships. And she was was talking about how other people have put onto her that she's doing this representation or oh it's suddenly really uh something everyone wants to talk about Mm. and she was like I've wanted to write about love forever I'm just writing about love and all art of this kind like it's transcending moments yeah it is transcending moments and I I do believe there are you know there are obviously people that do piggyback off this current time but as you know as you've seen I've been making this work for a long time but also it's I guess it's really difficult if people are trying to say exactly what you're about that can be quite difficult but I guess once you're kind of putting your work out there it's inevitable that you get those that feedback which isn't always welcome Mm-mm. Well, talking of unwelcome feedback, <laughs> I did want to ask you about Instagram because I read the amazing piece as well in The Telegraph recently. You were featured, it's like a celebration of 10 years of Instagram. Yeah. And I guess it has been a key part of growing your brand and getting more people engaged with your art and you use it in such a beautiful way. What is your relationship like with Instagram at the moment? Could you talk a bit about the professional and personal, how you engage with it? Okay, I probably use it too much. I'm going to own up. (laughs) I mean, don't we all? Yeah, but um, it's really helped me to connect with lots of people, um, particularly women. So um, many of the women that are featured in my series, I've connected with through Instagram. So that's, we'd never have thought that would have been my route to making series um it's how I share my work as well I feel as though sometimes there are too many voices and that can be a lot um mm-hmm. or there can be too many requests for things you know needing time and that's fine if, if you're getting paid but if it's kind of <laughs> pulling at your time as in can you do this can you? that can be really really exhausting um, I think sometimes it can especially during the last past few months it can feel as though people are jumping on this. Oh, you know, this is my, the black person who I know. And, you know, let's do that. And that's great if it's genuine. But if it's literally just the equivalent of paying lip service to allyship, that's exhausting for the rest of us. Because I just feel as though, yes, post a black square if you are doing the work. That doesn't mean just reading a book. <laughs> it means actually doing the work. How can you make an impact in your everyday life? Because we all have elements of power, but it's about knowing how you can tap into that power and help others. 
so yeah it can feel like an icky place sometimes but I occasionally delete the app from my phone so that I give myself a little bit of space I did that on Saturday but I don't last very long <laughs> did you last the day I lasted I think I I, I might post stories in the morning and then I went back on in the evening that's quite a long time for me I didn't do a whole 24 hours though, which I was really disappointed about. And my 12-year-old son was really disappointed about that too because he's not on social media and he just doesn't understand how he has very limited time to use PlayStation and I seem to be on the list. But I get paid, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's part of our job, right? It's fine. I'm sort of uh, thinking about checking it in the morning and then checking it in the evening and treating it as like bookends of my day so that I can have the whole day to create. And I I read this research ages ago that said that one notification, just checking one email or one Mm. like or one comment, it takes your brain 20 minutes to get back into your work. No And so that's just freaked me out. (laughs) That's great. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I do feel as I need to have designated times to check. So you treat it as though you're having a meeting. Should we both try? Let's try and see how we go. Because I like that analogy of like, it's almost like you're opening up your shop for a meeting yeah and then you close it again yeah and so you're not constantly accessible because yeah I can't imagine what it's been like you know people getting in touch or wanting to just make themselves feel better mm. or dm you about a favor that they're asking for you know it's god it's a lot it's, it's a, a lot, lot to put on someone it is a lot and then sometimes you get inquiries and I get them through Instagram so then I'm responding to inquiries and even if it's a Friday night at 11 I will then respond at, which is that's nuts. You would never work in that way usually. But for some reason, because it's Instagram, you're like, oh, it just takes a second. I'll just do it. Yeah. So my relationship with it is I love it because of what it's done for my work. But at the same time, I realize I need some boundaries. <laughs> but this is really interesting because I think that for most people who turn their passion into their job, there is this b- that blurred line at the beginning where you feel like you want to be doing it all the time yeah. and you feel so happy that it's your job. And, and then you kind of, yeah, the boundaries come when you start realizing, wait a minute, this is not a hobby yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I feel, and I honestly wake up every morning and I have done for months actually because I've been working on this for a while especially during lockdown I it really up again during lockdown because I wasn't at the museum but I just wake up and, and I'm so excited that this is what I'm going to do and I still can't believe that I can you know this morning I was talking to a friend a couple of friends and I was I was in my studio I had them on speaker and I was talking and making at the same time so that I could then race off to the to my printers and have my work scanned so that he can then print it because I just sold a really large piece to a, a new client and I just couldn't believe that this is really I can't I still can't believe what I'm doing and so it's really difficult to to separate between okay this is actually work because it doesn't feel like work it feels making the work just feels amazing I think for so long, I just felt as though I was doing so many different things, you know, working at a museum, then working with communities and so many different things over the years. And all of a sudden it feels like they've all, they're all connecting and it no longer feels as though there are all these disparate, disparate things. I can see common threads, but I can also see the threads um, coming through with the actual series 
you know, working with people whose voices are often unheard, um, whether that's bringing people into museums and collaborating with them where they would not usually attend museums or whether it's working with an elderly man who lives in sheltered housing, which was my final degree showpiece in 2011. All of those those strands all feed in to what I'm doing now. And then all those zigzaggy bits that you felt didn't make sense. You probably look back and think, oh no, it all led to this point yeah. and nothing's ever ever wasted. Yeah, whereas before I was a bit like, mm, should I really have done that? Mm, never mind, done it anyway. But even if, you know, nothing's perfect, is it? I think that's the thing. I think I think with our maybe our parents' generation, we were, they had a kind of clearer path, well, mine did anyway. And, you know, they did a job for life, more, you know, more of a job for life kind of approach. I was even nervous telling my parents that I was going to leave my job, which is crazy because I left home 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but I was like, I'm leaving my permanent job during a global pandemic to follow my dreams. And that felt really weird. But I think it's about um, just accepting your path. And I'm, I'm not thinking too far ahead. I just don't want to. I'm just living moment by moment because I think what this the last few months have taught me is that even if you think you've got everything sus, you probably haven't and things can change so quickly. So I'm just trying to keep control of the things that I can keep control of, which is basically my scalpel and my images. (laughs) It's not much else there is. (laughs) Such good advice. And I feel like most people don't take enough credit actually for following their intuition and their gut, Mm. because I don't think, I don't think people leave kind of just completely at random. Like there is a feeling there that Mm. it's time and you've got to trust, trust that. But, um, you actually just kind of answered my last question, which was completely on that point, really, of I'm finding it personally kind of strange not being able to plan anything at the moment. Mm. Um, I didn't think I was much of a planner, but clearly, clearly I am. So you're you're making peace with not being able to plan at the moment. That is really good to hear. Yeah. And I need a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, to a certain extent, I do have things um, lined up, which is really exciting because at the beginning of lockdown, I just thought, oh, you know, that's, and I know we're not in official lockdown, but you know what I mean, during this period, I just kind of, um, I'm just going with it a little bit as much as I can, just um, not stressing that I don't know what's going to happen in six months, because ultimately, not many of us do know. I'm just going to continue to make work and see what happens and um, speak to people. I'm quite open with speaking to people about what I do but I am also working with schools so I've been asked to come into a number of different schools or to do Zoom um, videos where I talk about the series and I do live um, I kind of do live workshops which is really cool because that's what I used to do before and uh, yeah and I really enjoy it <laughs> and I think we need more art now more than ever because there are so many things that people need to say and need to express and this is a time we'll look back on and we'll be looking to see what was actually created during this period. You're so right all of the art coming out of this period of time I mean we're going to look back and it's going to be it's going to be really powerful. Mm. Well thank you so much for everything that you make and um, for such a lovely conversation and I look forward to um, following everything else that you create. Thank you so much. Thank you so much Emma I've loved speaking to you.